0: Chair City Church. Good morning. Morning, (laughs) morning. (laughs) I am Dave for our guests, and I get to pastor this wonderful group of Christ followers that are truly making an impact in this community, in this greater Gardner area. Yes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) want to welcome all of you to our final meeting at the Gardner Cinemas After just about six years, I think it's six years and two weeks when we first came in here, Today is the last time we meet. We want to pause and thank God for all he's done. You know, Who would think a group of a handful of people coming in to meet at the Garden of Cinemas. I remember when I first told the owner, he's like, can, can you do that? <laughs> Are you even allowed to do that? Isn't that like not religious or something like that? <laughs> and, and look at what God has done through our humility, through our honoring of him, through our pursuit of unity, through considering others before ourselves, through our serving and serving and serving through our love of God, look at what He's done. To God be the glory! Huh? So, we are in week six, the last week of our series on the book of Daniel. We're calling it "Swimming Upstream," and we call this swimming this series "Swimming Upstream" because it's a good word picture for what was going on in Daniel's life. See, about 2,600 years ago, a man named King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, kind of kind of invaded. Jerusalem, invaded where the Jews lived, and he took people captive, and Daniel was one of those persons taken captive. He was 14 years old when it happened. Now, the culture of Babylon was perverse. It was a hedonistic culture, meaning we do what we want to do to please ourselves. Certainly, at the very least, the culture was against the things of God. It ran counter the things of God. What God taught, what God directed, what God would how God would have people live. Now, the amazing thing is that Daniel was able to remain true to his faith in the middle of that culture. He didn't compromise his faith throughout his entire lifetime. But you know, not, he not only did not compromise his faith, let alone you know abandon it. But Daniel made a difference in the midst of the Babylonian culture. Wow. Now, culture is a set of beliefs that are adopted by a group of people. Today, our culture is no longer consistent with the way the Bible teaches that a person would live their life. I didn't say, I'm not saying culture is bad, culture is no good, but I'm certain going to be what I would think accurate, you know, and when I talk about culture here today, the, culture is, the question is how do we live in a culture that is, that is apart from God? So America is no longer a fundamentally a Christian country. You might disagree with that, you know, and I would say, have you turned on the radio? Have you read the paper? Have you gone on the internet? Have you, have you, you know, not, not in an insulting way, but I would say, listen, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's happening, it's happened. We are fundamentally no longer a Christian country. The culture that we live in now is not a culture that honors God. I'm not bashing culture, I'm just stating a fact, right? Maybe even those people who live it with would appreciate the truth that I'm stating, that we do not live in a godly culture anymore. So the question is, how do we live in this culture, not abandon our faith, not compromise our faith, and let alone even make a difference? So today we're going to talk about a story. It's kind of, it's, it's, well, actually we're not going to get into this story. We're going to kind of, there's a story in the Bible about Daniel, and he gets tossed into the lions. It's right up there with Noah's Ark, right, And, and Jonah and the whale, but we're not going to jump into that kind of miraculous part of the story and it is that supernatural amazing miraculous but we're not going to get into that part where Daniel gets tossed into the lions, then walks out unscathed unharmed but what I am going to try and share with you is a way that you can live your life you know we're going to touch more on what I call the everyday wonder of God's work in us and how that relates to cultures greatest need Is that too long okay Yeah, meaning that God is doing a wonderful work in each one of us, a beautiful work every day. Uh, We might not see somebody toss the lines and walking away unscathed every day. I do believe in the supernatural. I do believe God is doing miraculous things, but I might not see that every day. But every day we can live out a way, living out God's wonderful work in us and making a significant difference in this culture. That I believe. Our culture is in trouble. There's no doubt about that. There are serious problems. Even people who don't believe in God, I believe wholeheartedly would agree with me. There are some serious problems in our culture, the one we're living in today. The question is, what is the solution? What is the answer to the problem? Now a whole good portion of the church, people and churches at large that govern themselves, believe that we as the church, as believers, followers of Christ, we should kinda stay out of people's way. Meaning, we will get to heaven one day, they will go to hell. Jesus will come back and rescue us, they'll go to hell, we'll go to heaven. So, we just hold down, hold on, stay to our faith, stay true to what we believe. And that sounds okay to many. Now, some people will boldly profess that. Sunday morning is all about the believer, to edify the believer, to strengthen the believer. That's what the church is for. Some won't profess that, but they'll kind of live it out with their preferences and how they conduct things and the way they do things, at the end of the day, it's sort of the same thing, just, you know, same horse, different color, you know? It is about, you know, preferring the believer, preferring those who are in the faith, preferring those who are going to heaven, structuring, doing things, talking, all that, you know? I have my suit and tie, you know, in the car, I just forgot it. Only one person left, all right. Now, I don't always dress like this, but I fairly usually dress casual, right? I mean, I might have like a long sleeve collared shirt, but it's a day of victory. So I'm all about that. <laughs> and, and as you know, on those very special days, except for weddings and funerals, I wear my white pumas. So, <clears throat> and it's a special day. So, I don't know if I'll wear it. I figure I, I, maybe I shouldn't wear them next week, because I don't want to scare people off, you know? But I'll do it today. Well, look. Listen, but this whole thought about us and them and this way of approaching church and doing church and kind of leaning towards us and, and not considering the culture, the problem with this is it's not the will of God. It's not God's will for you or for me. God's will is that you and I who are followers of Jesus, that we are the answer to culture's problems. And we have what culture needs. As God does that wonderful work in you, you are the answer to culture's dilemma. You have what culture needs. We are God's plan to deal with the confusion of culture. You know, it's not, it, it's, it was never God's plan that when the culture, people look at the church, they look at, and they say, well, that's just a group of mean people. That's a group of people who are indifferent to us. Hey, that's a bunch of people who seemingly are hypocritical. That's a bunch of people that we cannot relate to. I mean, we are so, they are here and we are here. And they they don't really want to connect to or have anything to do with us in any way because we don't agree with them. That's never what God intended. He always intended that you would be one of the most attractive, perhaps the most attractive thing on this earth. Do you get that? Jesus drew himself to people. Boom. (laughs) Boom. Man, this thing is just jumping all around today. <laughs> I've i tried that before. Look, he intended that you would possess qualities that the world would want to and say, okay, we need that. This will help us. Will you help us? And we would have for them words of life, words of encouragement, words of healing, right? And lives that lined up with those words. So how do we do that? How do we help them? And that's why we're jumping into the beginning of Daniel chapter six here. You know, we'll pick it up in Daniel six chapters, chapter six, verse one through five. We mentioned last week a little background here how the Medes would take over Babylon. They remove Belshazzar, the son of King Nebuchadnezzar, and there would be a new king, and his name is Darius. And we pick it up. We pick it up right here. It says it plea, verse one. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps. To rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one whom was Daniel. So King Darius has got a new kingdom and he tr- decides to bring order and he appoints 120 governors, if you will. they satraps. And on top of the three governors, he puts these three kind of ruling administrators. Huh? Now, m- one of them is Daniel. Now what's striking, what's amazing, and this is world history now. Again, we talk about you might not believe in God. You might be, you know, is this just kind of good principled stuff, kind of lay it in some allegories and some fairy tales or some just nice stories to fluff it up. This is world history, what I'm, I'm giving you here, okay? The hundred, and, Darius, the 120 governors, the, admit, this is world history, What's amazing is that amongst those 123 rulers, governors, leaders, Daniel's one of them. Meaning he's the only non-Persian, huh? He's a Jew. How does, 123 and Daniel's right up there. He's a non-Jew and that's an incredible fact. You see, Darius knew there was something special about Daniel. There was, there was these distinctive, impressive qualities Daniel possessed that set him apart from others. That even though he wasn't Persian, he was so valuable. Verse 3, the satraps, governors, were made accountable to them, the administrators, so that the king might not suffer loss. Daniel was so good at helping the king, at serving the king, that, that the kingdom did not suffer loss. The king was in a good place when, this was, when he was there. And how did Daniel do, do that? Well, you see, at some point, Daniel decided, if I'm going to have influence in this perverse culture, I'm not going to acquiesce to the culture, I don't want to turn around and adopt the culture, but the, but the only way I can influence the culture is if I set the culture. Set culture. Set it in your home, set it in your, you set the culture in the culture. Daniel decided, I've got to be a different person to make a difference. Look, they say you can't make a difference unless you're different. Is that resonating in you? If you're the same as everything else around you, you can't change anything. When we started Share City, I would say, listen, we are not going to turn around and distance ourselves from culture. We're not going to be sectarianists. We're is bad and we're here, and the church is here. And th- no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to acquiesce. We're not going to sink with culture either, because then we'll be a tasteless, odorless gas. Right? No difference between us and culture. No, we want to saturate ourselves with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? And go out into culture and set culture in culture. That's what Jesus did. I want you to, let's go on, verse three. Now Daniel so distinguished himself. Didn't say distance, said distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. That the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. I I want you to take note of those two words, exceptional qualities. God's hope for this culture in this world around us today is you. You are God's plan. He doesn't have a plan B. You are God's plan A. Huh? You are it. 2 Corinthians says that God has made us his ambassadors. God has made us ambassadors in making his appeal to this culture, to to reaching the world through us. Ephesians 2.10 says, The manifold wisdom of all that God is made known to the world through the church. So we are. God makes himself known to this world through us and our exceptional qualities. We can make a difference if we are different. And Daniel did this. He lived through four kings. He made a difference, not by being a jerk, not by getting people's faces, not by rudely confronting them and standing out and holding signs and doing things at really untimely ways, not by distancing himself and separating himself by culture. He did it by having exceptional qualities. Listen, as believers in Jesus, we often have these thoughts. They come to us from songs and from sermons and from books that we can change the world. It's, you know, it's, it, you know it's, it's all over the place within our Christian culture that we can change the world. And the thing is this, you can change the world if you choose to be different, if you choose to live with exceptional qualities, God-given, God-granted, God-inspired exceptional qualities. And this now will, it will distinguish yourself from the rest of the culture around you. I didn't say separate, I didn't say distance, I said distinguished, so that you'd be a light in this world to people who are lost. This morning I stood there, I went to the different huddles and groups as they pray, and in each one I looked around and I saw somebody who didn't know Jesus before they came into Chair sitting. I saw some people, I think the only church they've ever known is here, it's a garden of cinemas. Huh? I stood in one big group. As they there praying? There must have been—I don't know—thirty people in the group, maybe more. And I'm, as I'm glancing around, I think half the group were people that were not going to church. That some were atheists, some didn't believe in God, and here they are with us, glorifying God. That's a beautiful thing, huh? That's worth connecting to the culture, isn't it? Right? That's what God would have us do. God wants to develop these exceptional qualities in me and in you. In this church did the, the churches of people right in our community of Christ followers verse 4 of chapter 6 at this the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs but they were unable to do so they could not find any corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt and neither corrupt nor negligent finally these men said We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. You see, it's not that Daniel is perfect or holy, right? It's because he held to his faith, meaning he had figured out how to live out his faith in a way that got people's attention. In a way they've got the attention of rulers, of leaders, of anyone. Look at this man and how he lives his life. That's my hope, that we will become a people, a community of Christ followers that charges won't be brought against us, that we be found well and good in the sight of people, right? In this great gardener area, in the sight of friends and relatives. And then instead of looking at us and, you know, bringing criticism to us and And feeling like we're against them, and having this edge agitation, you know. Instead, they'll look to us for refuge and counsel and guidance and friendship. Heard this would be a good thing, right? Listen. Right now, as I'm saying that, some of you are thinking, "Wait a minute, you're saying you want people who have issues and troubles to come to me for help? I got issues and troubles. I'm a project, man." Right? So why is somebody going to come to look for me for help? Listen, that's not God's plan for you. Oh, we all are a work in progress, me being the biggest work in progress. Huh? But that's not God's plan. It's not that we just remain steeped and stooped in our issues and our problems. It's not what he wants. God wants to develop exceptional qualities in you. And if you would trust him, he will, don't look at your limitations, don't trust in your own understandings, don't lean on your past, don't lean on your problems, don't, you know, what do we say? We glance at our problems and we what? We gaze at God, man, you know? And as you do that, and as you trust in God, he will begin to develop these exceptional qualities in you. Because you are his first of all fruits. You are the greatest of all his creation. He delights in you. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. Verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now the word spirit here means breath, force, power. See, God is able, God is powerful, and where their power is, there is freedom. Freedom from your issues, freedom from your problems, freedom from those dysfunctions. Freedom from those fears, freedom from those addictions. There is freedom. Where there is power, there is freedom. And we know this. Again, world history, nothing has changed lives. Nothing has freed people from addictions, from dysfunctions, from their past, from anxiety. Nothing like the Word of God. That's just the truth. You want to call it a placebo? Call it a placebo. I believe it, I know to be, and I believe it to be, it's the Spirit of the Living God. Working in people and developing exceptional qualities that enable them to think outside themselves, to live outside themselves, to rise above their circumstances, and to live out, life, live out life loudly and wonderfully, and to make a difference. And we have, as believers, as those who follow Christ, no one has made a difference in this world in a positive way than Christ followers. It's just a fact. They started the first hospitals. They started the first schools. They've 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 helped people. They we we took down. They've taken down slavery with all those things you hear. At the end of the day, it was Christians, notably Wilberforce and others, who came alongside of them, and many others, countless Christians, who ended slavery. And slavery existed since the time of you know since time began, right? I know I'm getting on a kind of a soapbox here. I mean, wherever you look. Where there is God, there is a power and there is freedom. And with those that God has used to develop exceptional qualities to bring freedom. Do you get me? All right, let's go to verse 18. And we all, that's it, that's we all, we need to get the spirit of God. And we need to bring it to where people are hurting and where there is need. Some of you are thinking, oh, I got this. I know. I'll call out God's name. God, you got this. God, do it. I have this thing about putting legs on our prayers right here. It says we. It says me. It says you. We are to go out there with these exceptional qualities and reach people for Jesus. Yes? Yeah. This is the mission of Chair City Church. That people who are apart from God will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That people will become followers of Jesus. It's speaking to you and I. Next, then it goes on to say unveiled faces. And we all... With unveiled faces. It's it's a way to say we have a direct connection to God. We know God. We are close to God. Contemplate. It's a, it's a way of saying reflecting the Lord's glory. We know God. We're connected to Him and we reflect His glory, meaning He does great things in our lives within us, something that we cannot do ourselves, and it's noted by those around us. God is glorified, and we reflect that. So Darius, King Darius, looks at Daniel. And he sees these exceptional qualities, and Daniel stands out and gets his attention. Wow, this God—this has to be, this is so unusual, it's so distinctive, and God is glorified because Daniel reflects God's exceptional qualities. Does that make sense to you? Now, how does that happen, right? How do we do this? How, how do we get to, how, do, how do we take on these qualities? How does this power happen? It goes on to say we are being transformed into his image. It's a process. It doesn't happen all at once. But it happens, every day I'm looking more and more like Jesus, every day there's something wonderful happening in my life that's drawing me closer to God, away from my enemy Satan, away from damnation hell, and closer to having eternity with my Father in Heaven, yeah? Here's the point, if we're going to make a difference in this world, we must have these exceptional qualities, and those qualities ought to be Christ-like, because this is where they came from. The more we look like Christ, it's not going to turn off the culture. I'll say this again, the more we look like Jesus, it's not going to turn the culture away, it's going to attract the culture. They're going to be saying, help us, we need you, we want to get to know you. We notice these distinctive qualities in you, we know you care. It goes on to say in this verse, with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit, Look, if you're gonna be looking at the glory of God, or if you want a picture, let's look. Let's look at a picture. There are several pictures or word pictures in the Bible of, of this glory of God, huh? And one of the one a clear picture, a description of it is found in the book of Revelation, which is a book about the end times, meaning this is it, huh? And John here in who, who writes, you know, this book of Revelation, inspired by God, he he sees what he calls the throne of God, right? Meaning, what's what's he seeing, what's going on there in heaven? And he sees this creature. And and the creature has four faces. Hang in there with me. And it's in Revelation chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. I'm going to go through it quickly. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion, the second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Four faces. Now, there are some people who I think might responsibly teach that. This is kind of like a representation of what God is and what, and, and, and what God looks like. His qualities. And, it, and, and it's what we should look like. Qualities we should have. And I think Daniel had these qualities. I know Jesus had them. And perhaps you and I want to have these same exceptional qualities. Let's let's take a look. Let me get to the point here. The face of an ox. What does an ox represent? The ox is the face of a servant. Oxes carried things. They plowed things. They were used for sacrifice, for the payment of people's sins. The Bible says Jesus took on the spirit of a servant. Daniel was a servant, right? He was so attentive to the king that the king did not suffer loss. The way to people's hearts, the way to connect to people in culture is not to debate them, not to criticize them, not to look down on them, not to distance yourself from them, not to be anti this and anti that and stand for this and fight for this. What are you fighting for? It ain't ours anymore. (laughs) This isn't a Christian country anymore. Stop standing, stop, stop fighting and serve. Just serve, man. That's what Jesus did. He took on the spirit of a servant. That's what Daniel did. He served ruthless king. Serve, man. Serve with exceptional qualities that are Christ-like given to you by God. How are we doing so far? Amen. That's what Chair City Church is. This is one of our exceptional qualities of the church. We serve, and the community knows that. They know when they think of Chair City Church, they don't think of people haters, of gay people haters, of this, of of they're better than us. They think that church serves our community. That's what they think. I tell you that. I overhear it in the cafes. I overhear it in the soap market. And they come up to me and they tell me, your church serves this community. Your church cares about this community. We started serving before we came into the cinema for the first time. Oh, I should say when we launched. Before we launched the church in the community. So what's hap- what's gonna happen now happened then? We came in here in June. We didn't put it out into the public. We spent the summer kind of getting to know each other and to build and being in here. And then like the first the first weekend of October, boom, we launched the church into the community. We're going to do the same track. We're going to go into this b- new building and we're gonna to get to know the community, and then we'll launch it in the fall. Now, before we came in here on that first weekend of October, we went out into the community to serve. We went, we gathered with a local organization, we came alongside them, we, we, we served, we serve food, we cleaned pots and pans, we did all that. We started doing that first. I, want, I wanted people to know this is who we're gonna be. You, you, did, you want to be part of church? How to become a member? Go clean a pot. No, but where's my membership that I signed? So I, I'm part of the church. You want to be part of church? Participate. Yeah. Clean. Help people. Serve this lady. Forget. Participate. We are about participation. We are not about membership. We don't have a hundred, fifteen hundred people on our membership rows and fifty people in church. Or you know, we don't do that. Or we don't have people that come and go and they're part of the church because they're a member. So they're they're part of a church which is in a build, which is a building, and they they're a member, which means they're part. Of, no, we have a group of people who are Christ followers participate together to change this. Regent for Jesus Christ, huh? I'm all over the place. And we've done it, man. God wants to transform you to be a a servant, to, to take on this likeness of an ox, to give your life to serve others. And we do this. We invest in our community, we're going to do it this summer, in about a month we're going to turn around and go out and we, we, we are, we're invited to take part in the Experience Gardener Festival there over the summer. We set up a kid zone, then they appreciated us so much in our service that they invited us, they came to us and said, can you, can you be part of the fall festival? Yeah, you as a church can come, set up, do everything you want to do and take a meaningful part of this whole festival, we want you there, will you do it? How awesome is that, huh? separation of church and state. Bam, right to the curb. (laughs) I'm serious. I'll give you other examples, this whole building process. Because we weren't fighting, we weren't trying to hold ground, we just served. When we went into that, when we first went into that festival, that summer festival, we didn't, we said we don't want a booth. Don't give us a booth. How can we serve this event? What do you need, we went to the organizers of the event, and we said, no, we don't want to set up shop. We don't want to put up our booth. We don't want to put up our signs. We don't want to hand out things from our church. What do you need? How can we serve your event? And they were puzzled. And then you could hear the pause. And then she said, well, you know, the, the one thing I think of is that this is a kind of like a thing for kids. And I know they have a hard time getting volunteers. And that began a relationship with the House of Peace and Education, right? Eventually, they turned around. And they were so grateful for our help. Eventually, they said, you know what? Why don't you guys... Take the event. You provide all the volunteers. You're giving up a whole lot of money, uh, and we th- we're good. Why don't you take the event? And, you know, and, and we then went on to help them with Christmastide, an incredible Christmas party for all their clients, 265 people. Every kid gets a gift. right? We blow out to PACC. It's an incredible night. Serve, serve, serve. That's what it's about. That's who we are, and we will keep serving. It is my heart that next July... That I'm standing in front of you talking about how we are now approaching having one of the greatest days of servanthood in our history. That you and I will go out and we will serve this city sometime in July together. That you and I will gather friends and family and people out there. To every one of us, we will gather four and five and six people who are not going to church, come together and do something great in this city. Yes? Yes. We will do this. We will do this. We'll bring people together we will be a catalyst to bring people together for a great purpose to serve this city. We have done this, and we will do this in a phenomenal way come next July. That's my heart. I'm putting it out there. I'm challenging me. I'm challenging you. Let's serve. Okay. July 2018. How much time do I got? Oh, not a lot. What happens? If I would just stay in my notes, I would do it. <laughs> All right, let's fly. <coughs> next, next face is the face of a human being. Huh? This means, some versions say, man, man, it's, this means relationships. It's talking about love, loving others. It's not a doctrinal debate. You know, you don't want to go there. You know, you don't want to, it's not about being right or wrong in particular situations. It's not about calling people out unnecessarily or dis. It's not. Listen, people won't care what you know till they know that you care. That's not a unique, that's not a new statement, but it's true. I'm telling you, it's true. People need to know you care. Care for people. When we went to serve for that first time, uh, and I've said this before, when we went to clean pots and serve food and do that, I'm not exaggerating, that's really what we did. Okay? I think it was the second week we were there, many of you know this story, Um, they they would ask me to pray. I I, I mean, it was the first week we were there, I got up and I prayed in front of the people, I, I guess I call it grace. And then the second week, I did it again. Well, after the second week, the leaders came to me and said, hey, you know, and they, you see, they were sad. They were like uh, somewhere between, I don't know, embarrassed, sad, uncomfortable is probably a good word. And they said, you know, uh, we're, we're sorry, um, but I guess there's been some confusion and maybe some complaints, and you, you, you can't pray. You, you can't talk about God like that. You can't pray. And I said, okay. I didn't come here to pray. I just came here. We just came here to serve and help you, right? I mean... And and you could see there was this relief. And you know what happened right there, huh? They realized, oh, they, they really care about us. They really do care about helping. This isn't like they can get what they want, and we can get what we want, and somehow, no, this is, they really are just here to serve us. They really care about us. They really value us. They really think we're doing something important by feeding and caring for people and giving them meal, which they are and they do. They care about us. Let people know you care, huh? Don't condemn them. Don't jump on the issues with them. Just show them that you care, that you value them. Look, sometimes we jump on the issues too soon, and we know they're there. But we, we, you know, we, it's where we go first. Show love. Listen, John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So Jesus says, love one another as I've loved you. This is what he calls that we would love each other. And as we love one another, we're compelled now to love others. That love is a dominant factor, true love. Too much hurt goes on, man. You did two things that seemingly are, you know what? Distinctive qualities of many churches are, people hurt each other. As I said, nobody's better at shooting their wounded than than the church. It's just so true. Right? Right? There's not a lot, there's really often, it lacks love. There's much contention behind the scenes. That's so sad. When people don't get their way or they're troubled, they act in venomous ways and hurtful ways. This is true, right? Everybody, I I mean, I'm I'm talking about something I've dedicated my life to for 20-something years, right? But why? How could that be when Jesus is saying, they will know you believe in me and you follow me by love, by the way you love each other? Not when you do what, not when someone does what you expect and what you want, then you love them. No, just love each other. Just love each other. That's what Jesus calls us to do. And as we love one another, let that permeate out into the community, into the culture. Let us be in the act of loving others. It's just contagious. It's just infectious. It just becomes what we default to. We look and we see through, and we understand through the love of Christ. All right. Third face, the third face, the face of an eagle. So this is said to represent, I think there's some liberties taken here, but I think it's, it's good principle, it's applicable. This represents the face of respect, of dignity, of honor. Huh? And it's one of the faces of God. That impresses, listen. It, God wants us to live out our lives so the world says that's impressive. That's, we can respect that. Man, th- that deserves our acknowledgement. God wants to develop qualities in you, in your life, in your family, in your marriage, that the world says, wow, wow. I got wowed by a church. They took me in off the street to live. wow. When my family was down and out. My brother now, who's come to Christ after, I mean, he's, I'm 50, yeah, so he's 48 or something like that. And just this, this last year, he came to Christ. You know what he said he could never forget? And he was an atheist. He said, I never forgot. The one thing I, and I could never argue with, he goes, and it really disturbed me, he said, was the day that that pastor and those people from the church came to our home and brought us a Christmas tree and food. He goes, I can never forget that. He goes, it just set in me. Be the person who did that. You know what happened that moment? It says in Ephesians that God will set his mark on your soul as a deposit of an inheritance of things to come. And because those people served God, because they wowed us, man, they didn't pat us in the back, they didn't toss a cliche out, they wowed my family and served their God and loved. That through them, God, the Holy Spirit made a mark on my brother's soul, you're getting me, huh, that God knew I'd return for this, huh, to God be the glory, yes, Yes. let's wow people, and we want to do that, when next week, although we're going to blast this thing out in the full, I imagine it's that people might come in here and there, and they might be wandering in, let's from the Gecko look to wow people, wow them by the way we love one another, wow them by the way we're energetic and we're glad to be there, not our heads down. We are filled with life. We are glad to be here. We expect magnificent things to happen here, right? It's Sunday, baby. Let's roll, right? We are we stand on God's faithfulness and what He's did and what He's accomplished in our group, in our church, in our community of Christ followers. And we are glad joy here. Let them. We're going to wow them with the way you make food. We're going to wow them with the way we greet. We're going to wow them with our worship. We're going to wow them with the lighting. We're going to wow them with the seating. We're going to wow them when they come to the kids' church area and they're welcomed and they see the colors. We're going to wow them. And we might wow them with the preaching. We'll have to see what happens. Listen. Be, be impressive. <laughs> That's good. (laughs) Be impressive. I always feel we've got such a great, I mean, even if you don't believe in God and you look at the New Testament, it's so powerful if you're looking at justice and compassion and social, it's just, uh, Jesus was such an incredible teacher, man. The things he talked about, the things he did, if you put them in context, he was amazing. He was a revolutionary. Now, I do believe he is the son of man, the son of God. I do believe that he gave his life and was resurrected and made a way and a place for me to be in eternity. I, I, I treasure that, yes, but we've got an impressive message. Do you get me? And it wows people. And let it wow people in your life. Be on time for work. Be the last one to leave. Don't participate in gossip, you know. It's so easy. Why? Because it, it's our human nature. It's our flesh, right? Right? You hear something negative about somebody? Well, let me just kind of of course parenthetically we'll put it, you know, we'll 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 temper it, right? You know? We'll say some nice words before and after, but then we'll, don't go there. Step away. Step away from the gossip. Step away from that backbiting. Step away from that division, because that's what it is. Do you understand that? We are not gossipers at Cher City Church, correct? We are not. you got something to say, you come and say it to your pastor. you got something to say to somebody, you go and say it to them. This does not honor God to do anything but that. Yes? Honor God. Love Jesus. Develop exceptional qualities. So when you're at work, when you're, or you're away, if you are in a community, and, or if you're at a party uh, uh, with a bunch of your kids, and somebody starts talking negatively about somebody, you be the one not to say anything. Or you be the one to try and spin something, if you can, about good about that person or valuable. But don't participate in that in any way, yes? Be exceptional. Honor God. Show them that you're reflecting the glory of God, yes? Work harder. Work better. Be more dedicated. This is what God has called you to do. I like to win, yeah? I do. I don't like to lose. And we were made to win. We do. We were were made to win. We win in the end. Yes? We do. We win. Jesus wins. We were made to win. Let's impress people. Let's wow people. Let's glorify God. All right, the last face. How are we doing? We're doing. All right. The last face is the face of a lion. And this is boldness. It's the face of boldness. The church cannot be silent. Humility, being humble, is not being silent. It, but, not being, but it doesn't mean to be rude, to be obnoxious, to, to, to be untimely, to be inconsiderate, not to be, to not to be people smart. Culture says separation of church and state, be quiet. You know what? Hey, it's our world too. It's my world too. And I live here. And I've got a great message and I'm going to be bold about it. It says in Proverbs, the wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. Yeah. Let's be as bold as lions. Know what you believe and speak the truth. One day Jesus asked the world. And I say the world. He was talking to a group of his followers, but he knew he was talking to the world. <laughs> right? And he said to them, who do, you, who do you say I am? Who do you think I am? And some toss out John the Baptist. John was kind of a contemporary of Jesus. Actually, Jesus' cousin. And he was running around telling people to turn away from their sins, to repent. He wound up having his head chopped off by King Herod. Some said, you're Elisha. Elisha was a great prophet in the Old Testament before Jesus was born. Some said, oh, he was reincarnated. And then Peter, this guy named Peter. Some of you might know him as St. Peter. Peter says, you know what? You are the Christ. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one. And Jesus says, you got it. You got it, Peter. And with that revelation, you will be able to tear down the gates of hell. You will have the word of life. Do you get that? We believe that Jesus was the Christ. He is the Son of God. And with that revelation and that information, we are empowered to tear down the gates of hell. Yes? We are not passive. We are bold. And we do bold things. And we attempt bold things. Yes? It's who we are. That's why Christians have changed this world. Christ followers more than any other group of people in the history of this world because we were meant to be bold and to change things for the better. Listen, what do you do when culture is in direct opposition to the Bible and to what you believe? I'll give you two words, and this is what we practice here at Cheer City Church. Grace and truth. Grace says, grace says we all need a second chance. Truth is admitting I need a second chance. Grace says we're all sinners, and it's not like your sin is worse than my sin. I need God. You need God. Truth says we're not going to call sin, okay, because it's not. It's destructing. It's devastating. It's damaging. Grace says what, what Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. We don't condemn people. Truth says what he told her next, to go and now live your life apart from sin, yes? Look at the ministry of Daniel. You see grace and truth. Look at Jesus. You see grace and truth. Jesus coming into this world incarnate. Grace and truth. You see servanthood. You see love. You see boldness. And you see wow, right? Jesus said, Jesus came from the Father, and he was full of grace and truth. John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Worship team, come on up. Grace because we need a Savior. I need a Savior. Truth because it's the only thing that's going to truly set people free. We need to have exceptional qualities. This is going to be the wonderful works day to day that go on in our life. That Dave Trelongo, you know, broken guy, massively dysfunctional person, so selfish, could turn around and day to day give his best to more than not live out his life in an unselfish way. More than not, living out his life to consider others before himself. More than not, depriving himself of gratification, but doing what's best for those he loved and the society around him. This is wonderful, right? This is amazing. This we can do today, today. That's exceptional. God has called us today. God wants to develop this in you. Will you desire to take this into your life today? Will you desire to trust in God this day? Will you, will you say, I'm going to serve, I'm going to love, Aye? Serve and love. This is who we are at Chastity Church. As we go now into this new building, this is what I want us to be. We are a church that serves. We are a church that loves. We are a church that wows people. This is who we want to be. More than anything else, hold on to that deeper. than Why don't you stand with me? I believe, as I always do, that God, Holy Spirit, is amongst us. And he tells us that God loves us, that God does not condemn us. We condemn ourselves. Sometimes others condemn us, but God does not condemn us. The truth is that we want to admit that we do need God, that the way we live, are living at times is apart from God, that we are living in sin. We want to be aware of our sin. We don't want to protect it. We don't want to, you know, we do that, man. You know, God's here. and we, we try and balance it. God, sin, you know, okay, how much of my sin can I give up without really losing myself, or without really paying price? We call that, that's cheap grace, by the way. Man, pay the price. All in, right? right. Just surrender. Give it to God. And you'll do great things, huh? Once you do that, he develops, ex- more and more exceptional qualities are developed. If you hold on to the sins, if you do it in kind of a measured, tempered way, okay, it is a process, but the longer you hold on to that, the more you're bringing corruption and distraction and disruption into what God is doing in your life. That's my, you know, my opinion, my thought. Listen, God is available to you today. Huh? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Let's close this out the way we began this, by wanting someone to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If you're in here today with heads bowed and hearts open, perhaps you'd see these words within yourself. Lord, save me. God, help me. I I am a sinner, just like everybody else around me. I got a lot of company. But God, now I know I need you. I know I I don't have to live to that sin. I don't have to let that sin dominate my life. I don't let that have to be my identity. No, I identify now in Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to trust Jesus. I want to follow Jesus, what he said and what he did. And and I want to follow what's going on inside me right now as I feel I'm being awakened. Thank you, God, for awakening me to your truth. And thank you for the grace you've given me now to follow you and trust in you. Amen. As we sing this last song for the last time... At the Garden Cinema, I want you to spend some time thinking to God. I want you to reflect. If you said that prayer, reflect on what's happening between you and God as you sing the song. As you all think and sing the song, reflect on God's, just on his faithfulness. And let's just end in a, just a wonderful place of dwelling of thanksgiving to God. Huh? To God be the glory.